0: Coming up on the show.
1: Look, the guy stands out because he walks into a place of business and calls you a dingling at the top <laughs> of his voice. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of people that do that. You can't fry Cotolette no. in the upstairs kitchen. The smell. It's yes.
0: gonna smell everything.
1: Buongiorno Italia, buongiorno Maria. Buongiorno ti tiene.
0: Welcome back to another edition of this Italian-American life. My name's Peter and I'll be your host today.
1: And I am Michael. Mike, Michael? <laughs> I' Michele. I can't I
0: can't. Yep, nope, that's the one. And this is Michele, our storyteller, and he's got a doozy for us today. All right. So, Mike, before we get down to it, yes, you brought up a very good point. So I think you you brought up a great idea. Go ahead with it.
1: Yeah. So I think that we should just do a quick recap of the sons and daughters of Grandma Baby, who we talked about last episode. Right. As we continue to develop the Marky Fava side of the family, which is my mother's maiden name, your father's last name, Correct. your last name. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of digging into that side of the family first. So as we discuss these different stories, we're going to say names like Tio Vito, Tio Nino. And for those listening that are our family members, that name means everything. Like they understand who it is. 100%. But for the 0.02% of people that are listening <laughs> that are not our family. Yep. I just feel like we should just. We do a see quick, you out there. Yeah. We encourage you to continue to listen. And for that reason, I'm just going to go through a quick recap of Grandma Baby's uh, sons and daughters. Here we go. The first being Tio Vito. So when you hear us reference Silvito, Vito, that is her firstborn son.
0: Second is Zia Celestina, also known as Sor Celestina. She is our, our aunt who stayed back in Sicily and became a nun.
1: Then there's. Zio Rossi, who's Zio Rossi to Peter, but to me, he's Nonno, because he is my grandfather. So whenever I reference Nonno, that is her thirdborn child. And he is followed by Zio Pino. Then the fifth born son is Zionino. Following Zionino is Zia Maria. Then seven is Zia Tina. Then eight is Zio Pietro. Uncle Pete. Mm-hmm. That's my dad. known around the family, that's Peter's father. Right, and then the baby of the family is who Lives in Florida. That's right. Shout out to everybody that we uh, listed. That way, when we reference these people during these podcasts, you guys kind of get a feeling of uh, who we're talking about. On with the show. Here we go. You mentioned the ship that Grandma Baby came over on.
0: Yeah. So it all started with uh, with me, you know, doing a little more research on her and trying to just find out more about her. So I did another search. Uh, once again, ancestry.com is the source here, not an ad. Um, so I did the, uh, I did the search and I came across a ship manifest.
1: This is really cool because I had no idea, you know, you think about the, you know, oh my great grandmother came over on the boat, you know, you hear that. So the fact that you found this, I think is really cool.
0: There was such a treasure trove of history in there because it's actually a pretty famous boat. So, on August 22nd, 1950, our nonna, Grandma Baby, arrived in New York, New York via the SS Conte Bianca Mano. The Count
1: White Hand.
0: I mean, first of all, that's just a badass name for a ship. Am I not, Am I right?
1: The White Handed Count. <laughs>
0: and we see right here on the ship manifest, she was in the tourist class. And Mike, tell him, tell him what you see right there.
1: I see... Giuseppina Marchiafava, 1424 Southern Street, Indianapolis, Indiana.
0: That's right. And it states her as 49 years of age at the time. Yes. Which puts her birth in 1901. I know last episode we said it was 1903. Speaking of which, we have an email address now. It's this Italian American Life at gmail.com. Yeah. so if you do have any information please email us and let us know because we're, we're we're just trying to put it all together
1: people let's be honest this is a work in progress and any feedback is welcomed and appreciated and any stories that you wish to share we will definitely read them on the air and and uh, we encourage it because this is the whole point of this is to kind of you know like we've said about what two million times so far unravel. <laughs> You know, the, the many layers of our family history and, and exactly how created this mega empire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back to Grandma. Yes. She's got one handbag, and she's got one bag. We know this because that's what the ship manifest said.
1: So she basically is picking up her entire life and relocating with two articles of baggage.
0: And if you notice, it's by herself. Right. Because in the last episode we talked about her first child didn't come until a few years later right that would be my father
1: yep Uncle Pete
0: I, I can't tell you if she was by herself or not she may have had a, like a family friend or a cousin that that we're just not aware of that that accompanied her right but we know that she was going to live with her brother, our great uncle Frank and that she was going to start a life out here So that was the ship that brought no no. Now, I want to talk a little bit about that ship because that ship does have a bit of
1: history to it.
0: And I was able and I was able to uncover quite a bit there. First of all, the SS Conta Bianca Camano. <laughs> that was going to be a
1: fun It one. is a mouthful. It's, it's gonna, a mouthful.
0: It's going to be tough to say time after time again.
1: Yeah. How Do about you, we call it the FCB?
0: Yeah. Do You know me?
1: <laughs>
0: so here we've got the ship Bianca Mano, or the White Hand, built in Scotland in 1925. It moved 1,000. 750 passengers from Italy, usually out of the port of Genoa or Naples, through to South America and New York. First beginning in New York and then afterwards traveling to South America as well. Now, it did that route up until about 19, up until about 1935. Mike, do you know what happened in 1935?
1: Uh, Was it a war?
0: There was this guy that was in charge. Yeah. A guy by the name of Benito Mussolini. No, yeah, no rings, reference to our cousin. Rings a bell. Exactly. Benito Mussolini decided that these Italian cruise ships can be used for something quite different. They can be used to transport troops to their new war that they're beginning for their colonialization in Ethiopia. So this ship did carry Italian troops on numerous rounds into East Africa. Wow. Yeah, this is,
1: that's amazing. I
0: I wanted to make sure that we covered the whole thing because not everything is beautiful. Right. So this ship had that history in it as well. It was used by a dictator to colonialize an African nation. Now, let's fast forward to 1941. Italy is now using the ship as a passenger vessel again, and it is making trips to South America through the Panama Canal. The moment that Italy declares war and officially enters World War II, the United States the United States Navy takes control of the ship.
1: Where was it this captured? Is
0: it was captured right outside of the Panama Canal, where it was, uh, where it was docked. Wow. And this is all because the Italian government did not think to pull back their ships uh, before they declared war. So they lost on not only this ship, but a bunch of others as well. It was fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> not a great dude. No. During that time, after the U.S. takes control of it, they actually use it. All right. They strip it of all its beautiful art and all the beautiful fixtures that it has. And it becomes the USS Hermitage. It ended up transporting 129,695 men to both Europe and Asia. So this ship ends up going around the world, transporting U.S. troops. Incredible. I mean, talk about just like, like it's, it's doing everything right now. This is like the little ship that could.
1: Right, right. They are definitely putting it to work. And you got to think, I mean, you know, especially during wartime, Whatever is available you're putting to use you
0: know? 100%. Yeah. You're not gonna, you're not going to um, just let a good ship sit. Right. And the interesting thing is, is that the crew before they gave it up to the American government, they actually, they completely destroyed the engine and made the ship unmovable. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. So sabotage. They, yes. Quite a bit of sabotage. Ah. Let's fast forward to 1947. War is over. President Truman has decided he doesn't need these ships anymore, and he doesn't want to just, you know, bring them back into the U.S. He knows they belong to Italy, so he offers them to Italy for a 10-year lease of $1 per year.
1: There must have been some sort of legal thing that had to...
0: I think it was one of those things where they were just like, yeah, we used your ship. It did great for us. Just take it back. Yeah. So after this, it goes back, and it is completely revamped. It is modernized for the era, and it is ready to go once again as the ss conte biancomano and now it's carrying 1578 passengers so it's a little less than it was before and it's got this new tourist class and that is where nonna grandma baby comes in
1: Ah, that's how she traveled over that's how she traveled over
0: in 1950 so this was still a relatively new boat right and it continued taking people from italy back to america Back and forth, back and forth until around 1960, when it made its last trip to Naples. It's a shame
1: that we can't see that boat, isn't it, Mike? Ah, but that's where you're wrong. Is it? You can see it. (laughs) In fact, you can still see the ship today that brought Grandma Baby to America at Milano's Leonardo da Vinci Museum of Science and Technology. That is incredible. The fact that you found that is mind boggling to me. I know. Just the fact that
0: we could do that someday. I want to actually go there. I want to make it out there and see this ship.
1: I want to stand there and be like, yeah, that see that right there. Yeah. (laughs) My, uh, my great grandmother went to America on that boat. That's right. Now,
0: now I use quite a few sources to put this story together. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to add the links to the show summary. Um, so if you want to see like the information that I saw and how I saw it, Go ahead and uh, go to the show summary, click into those links. And while you're in there, if, if you're using the uh, Apple podcast app, make sure that you give us five stars.
1: Thank you so much for listening. Give us feedback.
0: We what, do appreciate it. We've we've gotten so much great feedback.
1: Oh, all the love and support that's coming our way through right. text message and phone calls. Robbie sent us an email.
0: That's right. We're going to get to that a little bit later.
1: Yeah. Rob Marquefava. Mm-hmm. Big shout out to him. Big shout out, Robbie. Um, or and- Robert. We're We're going to get to that.
0: Oh, no, it's Robert. Yes.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, we appreciate everybody listening and, uh, you know, continuing to support us. It gives us inspiration to continue to do the show.
0: It's been fantastic, Mike. And with that said, we're going to go ahead and take a break. We come back. It's going to be time for a fun story. All right, everybody. The history lesson is over now, and it's time for Stories with Mike.
1: This isn't really like one particular story. It's kind of like a medley of just the experience of having my parents, whose first language was obviously Italian. My mother spoke much better English than my father, right? But they both had very thick accents. It wasn't that they would say things with an accent. That was just expected. Sometimes they would use popular phrases and things uh that they heard but then use them out of context oh yeah and also get like one or two of the words wrong and <laughs> it just made it like so hilarious to hear because you know what they're trying to say right and they just don't get it right you know and what they're trying to do is 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 use you know slang you okay know what i mean Like, so like one of the things uh, I remember as a kid, my father would be like, Hey, give me that big five, you know, big five, big five. And I'd I'd be like, high five. It's high five. Hey, give me the big five. You know? And I'd be like, yeah, it's high five. You know what I mean? But he would never ever get it right. He would always say, give me that big five (laughs) to this day. He does it to my kids. You know what I mean? Yes. And this is like, used to do that to me when i was a kid and now here we are 40 years later he's still saying give me that big five and another thing he used to do which was hilarious you know the the give me give me five right up high down low and then you go to do it and you pull your hand right and you say you're too slow yeah right well my father used to say give me that big five right and then he put his hand up high and he hit it high and he goes down low And you go to do it, and he'd pull his hand away, and instead of saying, you're too slow, he'd say, you got nothing. (laughs) You got nothing. What a a life lesson. Yeah, like, oh, I was just too slow. I got nothing. You got nothing. (laughs) Another thing he used to, um, he couldn't couldn't say was uh, chase. You say chance, a story that he was telling where, right. And that dog, he chance into the cat, chance it, <laughs> he chance it everywhere. All around the town, up and down a chance, a chance all around it. And we would be like, it's chase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? The chase. you know, he, he just would never like say, oh, right. I'll uh, next time. I'll right. Use There's no market chase. away for later. No he, no, he would just wave his hand and yeah. be like, yeah, you know what I mean? Whatever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but then after a while we would just stop correcting because we loved it. You know what I mean? Like, it of was course, just...
0: like you almost start to live for those after a while.
1: Yes. Another thing too is, is uh, as we, as I got older and I started working with him, Yeah. you know, and he did landscaping and I, that was how I got my start was working with him and the summers and everything. Um, we would go to these different vendors and pick up materials, sod, trees, shrubs, mulch, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know in dealing with these vendors you're going there multiple times so you're stopping in and you get to know these people you know and, right and my father was a, a very loud and and um you know personable guy like he would say hello to you he'd ask how your family was and all of that other things but then you know as he got friendly with you you know he would kind of give you a little nickname or whatever and i remember he used to walk into places and there'd be a line of like five or six you know Burly other landscape type dudes.
0: Oh, like one of those like lumber supply places, like things like that?
1: Yeah, like a landscape supply place that sold shrubs and, you know, mulch and things of that sort. And my dad would walk in and he'd see the guys behind the counter and they'd be like, hey, Agostino, how are you? Be like, hey, ding a ling. And I would put my hand (laughs) on my head and be like, he did not. Oh, he, he used did to not. call people dingling all the time. He still does. You dingling. And I'd be like, but that's like dick, you know? It's like, but when the two did dingling, you start saying, I'm in here? Hey, It's not like just joking around. What's the big deal? And I'm like, it's not a big deal. It just it sounds like- weird when a grown man walks into a room and calls another grown man dingling, you know?
0: Who said, oh, my lord. <laughs> There's a difference. I love, no, no, you said that was now
1: <laughs>
0: last week was a different time. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, you know, the thing is, he's not, you know, in my presence as much, but I, I, I assume that he is definitely still he's calling just... people ding
0: <laughs> You know what, Mike, it really does go to show you. It really is all about the attitude, right? Yeah. It's not about how he said it. It's about right. the attitude that he gave when he said those words. Cause yeah. yeah no one is gonna act like if you say, "Hey, what's up, Dingling?" Right. Like no one's gonna be cheerful about that.
1: Well, to this day, as you know, I'm still in the landscaping industry, and there are still a few people that I deal with that were working when my father was still going into places and buying stuff and things of that sort. Right. And um, I think a true testament to kind of the sense of endearment a lot of these people had towards my dad, and vice versa, is that when I see them, they still ask about him. You know, even though he probably hasn't seen them in you know five years or more. I like the fact that they still ask how he's doing and things of that sort. It makes me feel good, you know? And I always yeah. tell him, I said, hey, you know, I was at like a, um, Russo Power Equipment, right? Shout out to them. Um, anytime that I'm on the phone with one of those guys, you yeah. know, Matt or Dino or Jeff, you know, there's guys that work there, you know, they're always like, oh, how's your dad doing and everything. And it, it, it it's nice, you know? Oh, that's got
0: to feel great, man. Just to know that he, like, he meant something to them. He was probably just a well, positive yeah, He's presence. a huge ball
1: buster. Yeah. You know, like they he had, he had a ball- great
0: time together.
1: I mean, well, look, the guy stands out because he walks into a place of business and calls you a dingling at the top of his voice. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's not a lot of people that do that, right? Yeah, I guess
0: I missed that part, huh? <laughs> he makes his presence known. <laughs> yeah,
1: for sure. That is amazing. You know, um, those stories. My mom used to do the same thing. She, she spoke English uh, much better. She, she still had an accent, but there were certain things that she would say that used to make us like, crack up. It's like when she would get really mad, she would say, you better stop. I'm going to knock all your teeth down. <laughs> and we would be like, you're going to knock our teeth down. That's right. It's, you're going to knock our teeth out. You're going to knock our teeth out. And she'd be like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? They would always do like, you know, God damn me. You know what I say?
0: Uh Uh-huh. Right. Every time.
1: Anytime that we could catch them on something, we would always do it. And it would just make us laugh, you know, especially you're going to knock all of my teeth down. Like, like just fold them. Yeah, down. Yeah, it's like it's like those
0: carnival games where you like you shoot the the little <laughs> yeah, bird the little down clown, and it pops right. back up again. Right, exactly. <laughs>
1: That's what she was gonna do with my teeth with the wooden spoon for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Did you get but, it with the wooden spoon? Oh,
0: all the time. My mom did not know what to do with me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I mean, much deserved. Oh on yeah, my end, for sure.
0: One hundred percent. The best is on when your end like... all the time. My <laughs> end, I didn't really deserve it. It was <laughs> usually your fault when I got hit,
1: anyways. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> the best is when like. You know, they'd be, like, cooking, you know, and they would be stirring, oh, boiling yes. hot sauce. And then you'd, like, walk into the kitchen and do something stupid, and they'd hit you with that spoon <laughs> that they just, and you'd be like, yeah! You know? But that was only when you were little. I remember the first time my mother hit me with the wooden spoon, and it broke. Really? I was, really? Like Yeah. I was 15. I was working out because I was, I just started playing football. Okay. You know? And I remember we were in the kitchen. linebacker
0: for Maine East. Maine East. Oh, that's the worst of the
1: mains. (laughs) I don't care about high school. You look back on it with good times, whatever. Anyway. There you go. We were in the kitchen downstairs. Oh, that's another thing, hey? Uh, Shout out to all the Italians who have a kitchen in the basement. Oh,
0: the second kitchen.
1: You got to have the second kitchen. I mean,
0: where else are you making sauce? Uh,
1: You can't fry cotolette. in the upstairs kitchen. The smell.
0: It's going to smell everything.
1: My parents' house had... The main floor. There was a kitchen that they had redone. It was mm-hmm. very nice. There was a little breakfast table in there, and then there was a, the actual dining room table in the living room right next door. And you didn't use any of it. It was just to look at. And the only time you use it is if you had company over.
0: Right. That's like the warming oven. Yep. Yeah.
1: On a day, well, no, you didn't even touch that oven.
0: Oh. Oh. Okay. Like you said, only when company's over, then it's used even as like a then, warm. then, they
1: would cook in the basement. They had a full kitchen on the main floor that they never used. <laughs> like, other than the refrigerator, you know? Right. But we had two refrigerators. There was one on the main floor, one on the bottom floor. Yeah. And the refrigerator on the main floor was used. But the stove and the cabinets and everything, the cabinets just had, like, the, the china, you know, that my mother would put out on, like, special occasions. Right. And like, the not everyday use stuff, you know? It was just, like, storage. But the kitchen in the basement... That's where all the action happened. That was like everyday cooking, frying, you know, you name it.
0: Oh, right. And of course, that one had like the big sink in it, too.
1: Yeah. When we moved to our house in Displays in 1989, that house did not have a kitchen in the basement. My father installed one, you know, and, and they it wasn't messy. It was just no, like,
0: not at all. But it was so well worth it, too, because the best things came out of those kitchens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, The the meals that my mother would make, even on like a quick, you know, just something that she would throw together. Right. And Back then, we used to have, that's something that's like completely wild to me now, too. Basically, like almost like a three-course meal every night. Like my father had to have pasta Mm -hmm. every night. So my mother would make pasta. We would have pasta it usually be a salad, especially in the summer and the garden was in full go. Oh of course. Always fresh cucumbers. Yeah. Oh the best. Yeah. Sometimes you do insulate pomodori, mm-hmm. You know, and just just Oh, tomato. just the, the
0: onions and the tomatoes. tomatoes. Yeah, yeah,
1: oh. yeah. yeah. And like some really good bread. Yeah. And a nice and then balsamic vinaigrette. A meat. Sometimes she would do a roast, sure. sometimes, you know, we would grill.
0: Little sandwich steak.
1: Whatever it was. Right. But there was always the two. And like now, We have pasta. That's it. We have pasta. Right. Oh, we're having pasta. It's
0: the course. Exactly.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. It's It's it's... so funny that we did like, that was like normal. like Every day, two courses, (laughs) not three.
0: I mean, think about how spoiled we were. Oh my God. I mean, like the, the people that we like, I know the people I went to school with whenever, like they'd be able to come to dinner at my house, they
1: would love it. Yeah.
0: Like it would just be like.
1: Set the bar super high. 100%. One of my favorite things that ever happened. Was when she swore at me for the first time.
0: Ooh, oh, these are always good stories. And well deserved.
1: Okay, I, mean, I was a terror. You
0: know?
1: <laughs> How but old were you? I want to say I was maybe eight or nine. Okay. And when I'm talking about a swear, like you know, my mother would would say things in Italian. You know, when when we would act up, and it was like not the kindest of languages, but it wasn't like so. What I'm talking about here is the first time that she. Swore at me in like English,
0: where like a consonant ended the word, and it really hit home. Oh yeah, yep.
1: So, like I used, I used to uh, give my mom a lot of a lot of crap, and not in a mean way. Like I used to just love to like tease her. And, yeah, bust her chops those, a little bit, right? And and me and my sisters used to do it all the time. And it goes back to like the things that she would say, you know, knock all your teeth down and of stuff course. like that, you know. And she was so cute and like just. You just couldn't help but like. You wanted to kind of get a rise out of her because she would like half smile and half be angry. You know, mm-hmm. it was just like this cute oh, little yeah. like banter that we would have. You know, and uh, I remember <laughs> we were we we're you know I don't know what I was saying or whatever, but you know I was I had gotten on her nerves enough to where I, just, I literally can vividly remember her stopping like. I think she was probably in the kitchen cooking or whatever and stopping dead in her tracks and turning and looking at me right in the face, just completely deadpan and just was like, fuck you, Michael. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so deserved because I would, you know, I was, I was busting her chops. I'm I, That's what I'm like notoriously known for. And I, I, I was probably, you know, just giving her shit about something, you know, just, teasing her or something. Yeah. And you and, pushed that wrong button. Oh, when she said it, I was dying. I could <laughs> not believe it came out of her mouth. And to this day, wow, my sisters and I will say it to each other. They'll say it to me, obviously. You of know course, I mean? right. And we just laugh because it's one of those things where like you never expect it to come out of your like sweet little mom's of mouth. Of course. You know what I mean? But it, at the same time, it's like good for you. You know, good for you for like kind of giving it back to me you know I mean? right she's like
0: all right you know what he's finally old enough to hear it's so let's right. do
1: this right oh
0: man what a what an amazing woman and what a great story there
1: I, I i've got a million of these you know like it's just when you grow up in a household and i'm sure you have the same thing like mm-hmm. there's there's things that you're you know what well, your, your dad did not have a, a thick accent at all uh he spoke from what i remember there was only a few times that I recall him saying something with like the slightest accent. Right. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, he only had an accent when he was speaking Italian.
1: Yeah, and he spoke Italian wonderfully. Right. Right, he never, he never.
0: Yeah, no, he never lost that.
1: No. You know, obviously your mother spoke, was came over so much later. that.
0: Oh, was, right, that's, that's how I know the Italian I know, is because they both mainly spoke Italian in the house.
1: Right, right. That's the thing that I love. Italian is like almost musical. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Like it, it's a it, very melodic language. Yeah. I, I it's just, beautiful.
0: That's why everybody loves it.
1: Yeah. You just grew up kind of hearing that on the normal, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where you do kind of take it for granted a little bit though, isn't it?
1: I honestly, by the time, so growing up, my first language was kind of like broken English, Italian, you know, like, and then you go to school. And,
0: and they teach English.
1: Right. And you're immersed in that. so yeah. You know, it kind of goes by the wayside. And at that time, you know, my parents were speaking English a lot to us in the house because, um, you know, it was just kind of like a little bit easier. And, and they were trying to practice as well, you know? Right. By the time I was in high school, like I felt like my Italian was pretty terrible. And shortly after I graduated, I ended up going back to Italy uh, to visit. And I was there for a month. And it was like amazing how. It all came back.
0: It's the language of your child. It's the same thing for me whenever I went to go. Cause every few years I'd go back with my mom to Italy. Cause her family is still mainly over there. Mm-hmm. And like within a few days I would be comfortable understanding most everything they said.
1: <laughs> right. I and mean, it's
0: because, I mean, it's my mom's family. So she spoke that dialect. Like that was home to me being with them.
1: Yeah. For me, like I always understood Italian. Like, there was never a time where I could remember where I didn't understand. I just, because I didn't use it enough, when I would answer somebody, it sounded, you know, it was very broken.
0: Right, like, and Americanized, too.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then when I went back, that's when it, like, kind of corrected it, you know, itself, mm-hmm. and I was able to speak way better. And then now, I went back in 2019, and I was much better than I was in 1997 when I first went. But even then, like, it still took probably a good couple of days to, like, really feel like I was, like, back in the rhythm because you're immersed in it. Right. And
0: it's not like your dad was going to give you any hints either.
1: Well, no. I mean, he, but I understand it. So when they would, you know, when we went in 2019 and my father was speaking dialect and everything, like, I understood him. And then I would answer and my cousins would speak dialect back to him. And then I would answer them in Italian, and then they would speak Italian back to me. But it all worked <laughs> because they're used to doing that. Exactly. Like it's, in it's, Italy, like, they'll That's go, a tool of
0: the trade right there. You have to know those dialects. Well, if you're the,
1: in Sicily, people will speak the Sicilian dialect. If you're in Palermo, people will speak Palermitano a little
0: bit. You know, right.
1: That, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the Italian language is that, you know, those different dialects are there, but yet they're still the kind of national language that uh,
0: I mean that's the thing Italy wasn't a unified nation until what 1900 right before then it was just a number of city-states that just kind of worked
1: together I say right like I knew that you knew that it didn't not like I I know but I don't know like the specific like the fact that it was 1900 you could have literally said in 1903 and I would have been like right
0: well now you're going to make me double check
1: and where are we
0: The proper unification of the country is 1871. So I was close. I'm going to give myself that one. That was pretty close.
1: Honestly, if you were on Jeopardy, you would lose. But on this game show, I'm going to give it a pass.
0: Man, the fact that you bring up Jeopardy just makes me think of my dad again.
1: Your dad used to watch Jeopardy?
0: Oh, my Lord. He could answer every question before the people did. It was ridiculous. Wow. He loved that game. Really? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: You know what game my dad loved? What's that? Wheel of Fortune.
0: We're going to save that for another episode. Really? We are. Because right now we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to do a mailbag. Ooh, I like that. Sound good?
1: Love it. All right.
0: We've got a mailbag.
1: Mailbag. Mailbag. Whoa. (laughs) That's a Tarantella mailbag. There you go. That's how I, I, I picture, like. The Italian. If there, a, if there was a mailman that was delivering this mail, mm-hmm. as he would walk in to drop it off, like if this was like a kid show. Oh, I see what you're doing here. That's the music he would like jaunt into.
0: The, like the Italian Pee Wee's yeah. Playhouse.
1: Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> Perfect.
1: Buongiorno, ciao per la posta per te.
0: <gasps> <My> grazie. <laughs> <laughs> so the first email that we got was from our cousin Enza Vicari. Enza is the daughter of Zia Maria. And I actually hung out with them this weekend on Sunday and I was introduced I'm party and I was inducted into the chauffeur's club for the aunts and uncles of the family. Oh wow! Yeah. I'm very proud to say, I think we're getting pins. I'm not quite sure how it works, but and Jack and Josie of course hosted, it was a wonderful time. And that's how Enza sent us this email.
1: So Enza Vicari, right. And who is she the daughter of? The media we have referenced, so you should know who That's we're right. talking about.
0: So one thing I want you to see here. So she sent us two documents. We are two family trees Um, that 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 she was kind enough to uh, to share with us. They've been putting together for years now. And in one of them, they've got some great photos. We actually have a photograph of Nonno Damiano on here.
1: That's the only one I've ever seen ever.
0: Same. Yeah. I have seen that one before. And right, it is the only one I've ever seen. And it actually is a new picture of Grandma baby as well,
1: yeah, that picture right there is her younger than I have ever seen her in any
0: picture one hundred percent it's it's such a and she's smiling in it. Mm-hmm. The thing you gotta know about Italian families, especially back in like you know even up through the seventies, nobody smiled, yeah, nobody smiled,
1: yeah unless it was like a candid like kind of capture moment, but like if they were like gathered around to pose, mm-hmm. it was like. Uh, the photographer was like, hey, um, look like you just dropped your favorite bowl of pasta. On the floor. <laughs> and that was the only thing you had to eat for the rest of the day. And that was the look that everybody gave the camera. That's it was just this sullen, like, "Yep, we're here. We're taking a picture. We don't really want to be here to take a picture No, but we're doing it because
0: I'm being forced to chronicle my existence. Yes, exactly. Mm hmm.
1: I would much rather be out playing
0: Skolpa right now. 100%. So <laughs> so this picture of Nonna is is quite beautiful. Absolutely. Um, I, I love it. Once again, I'll share everything I can in the summary through the links. Um, but we've also got a lovely picture of Zia Celestina. Just smiling once again, like like we were talking about on that previous episode. Just a, a shining beacon.
1: Absolutely. And she looks like a Fava. 100%. Oh, very much through. so. Through and through. Yeah, that's, if we could put these links up um in the summaries, uh we you know and you guys want to check them out. It's really really cool.
0: So, thank you very much Enza for that email.
1: Thank you Enza. We appreciate you love. Appreciate you reaching out.
0: The next email is from a now I don't quite reckon uh, who is Robert Markifava. I don't recognize this name. Do you recognize that?
1: No. no. I've never referred to him as Robert in now, my life.
0: I I've got a cousin Robbie. Do you think that's like that can't be who this is, right? Because he would just, he'd be Robbie.
1: Rob, Robbie, Roberto, Robertino, but not Robert. That is not somebody I know.
0: Right. So we're, we're going to take this one with a grain of salt. It may be a prankster, but we're yeah. just going to say. He
1: did put in parentheses.
0: He wanted to bring us an idea for a subject of a new show. And I think it's something that we can dig into a little further here. Okay. And that is real names. Right. Because English was the second language for a lot of our family when they had their children names were not quite spelled or used as they should have been oh yeah uh, a great example of this that that Robbie Robert brings up is our cousin Danny Rotondi right. Danny is Zia child who right. is the youngest right and Danny his name is D A N Y it was it was zio Pasquale apparently who forgot the other mm. end now the interesting thing about Robbie here Is that his name on his birth certificate is Robert, not Roberto, Ah. not Robbie. And he is named after the actor, Robert Wagner. What? Robert Wagner. From heart to heart? The heart to heart Robert Wagner. Wow. The guy from Austin Powers, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, he ended up playing like his number two. That's right. Oh, I'm calling Rob number two. uh... (laughs) A number two. Roberto number two.
0: And one other thing that Robbie shared with us, he loves the show. He loves the music. We all love the music. I don't know if you know this, but that was Michael strumming on the guitar there.
1: Oh, uh, I wish was. very
0: well that. done. Yeah. Right.
1: We have no budget to buy music. Therefore we <laughs> had to deal with me creating the music, which is,
0: Oh, but it's, it's still illegal. We'll figure that it out is a later. Comedy show.
1: I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, we are trying to make fun of, uh, you know, words words. So hearing those <laughs> hearing me sing is pretty funny.
0: So yes, Robbie loves your voice.
1: Uh, it's well. it's
0: melodic and dramatic. He he didn't say any of that. I'm just assuming he said that. So one thing Robbie wants us to do is incorporate current Italian weather and of course seria a soccer. Is that better? Calcio. Cal- <laughs> that. now you know what? I'm not going to go with calcio cuz calcio is just a nickname. <laughs> it's the same thing as soccer. Uh. So, Robbie, this one's for you. The weather in Palermo right now is 47 degrees Fahrenheit.
1: Minchia freddo,
0: Sunny and very cold for this island paradise.
1: La giacca, la.
0: Do, do, Dove la collo? <laughs> So, hope that worked out for you, Robbie. It love was you. Amazing to hear from you. And I, I look forward to hearing from you many, many more times going forward here, man.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for, uh, supporting us and your emails. We encourage more.
0: Yes. And speaking of, if you do want to email us, be sure to email us at this Italian American life, all one word at gmail.com. We'll have the, uh, we'll have the email address set up in the, uh, in the summary as well. If you need it for this round, that will do it. My name's Peter.
1: I'm Michael Spatola.
0: <laughs> and you've been listening to yeah. this Italian American life.
1: See you guys next time. Buonasera. Buonasera. L'italiano vero.